Hello, I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. And what are we doing this week? So, this week's episode is called The Pizza Bomber. And so, um, although this sounds like a very sad story, um, what I'm making is Hawaiian pizza. Ooh. So, yes, that does require pineapple on pizza. Mmm. Love. controversial, but in my opinion, that pizza is bomb. It's... (laughs) 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 So, that is how it all ties in. Oh, my God. It's true, though. That pizza is delicious. And if you say it's not, you're wrong. Sorry. Yes. You're wrong. So, So, like... I mean, we don't even have to call it pizza. If that's like, if that's what everyone's issue is, it doesn't have to be, if like, I'm sorry, my dog is whining because he found a bone. He's all excited. Um, but it does not have to be called pizza. Do you hear him? Yes. <laughs> he literally found a bone. He's trying to bury it in my couch right now. Oh my God. All right. I'm sorry. I'm getting distracted because. Having the time of his life. Yes. My children are just crazy. My dog child and my human child. (laughs) Anyway, what I was trying to say was I feel like a lot of people's issue with pineapple pizza is they say it is not pizza. That's fine. We don't have to call it pizza. And what is it? Hawaiian delight. I don't know. I feel like that might be something else. (laughs) Pizza. But um, I'm putting barbecue sauce. So um, Mm -hmm. a while back, I I think it was one of our very first episodes. the H.H. Holmes one. Yes, we did. Um, yeah, we did. We did pizza. And I shared my homemade recipe um, where we put actually sugar in the crust and it's like really sweet. I love it so much. Um, so I am going to be sharing that same crust recipe, except the sauce is barbecue sauce. Oh, and obviously yeah. then the cheese and then little chunks of ham and pineapple. Mm. So oh, good. So good right now. I want right now. <laughs> right now in my belly. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's get started with the pizza bomber. Okay. So if you are familiar with the Netflix show uh Evil Genius, this is the case that they cover in that show. And yeah, it came out like a while ago, like a really long time ago, but we're gonna do it today. So um, this happened in 2003 in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, it starts with a PNC bank was robbed by a man wearing a collar bomb. It's like, it was like a bomb wrapped around his, you know, a collar around his neck. And, uh, his name was Brian Wells, this man. And he walked into the bank with a cane gun, which is, Like, it was a cane for walking that was, like, made into a gun to, like, look like a disguise, which kind of clever, but scary. All of this is really terrifying. Yeah. I've Uh, I've seen, I didn't even know this was actually, like, a real story. I've seen it in, um, like, in different TV shows, I guess they've done, but I didn't realize that this is actually, is real life. This has happened. Yeah. It was real. 100%. So Brian gives the bank teller a note and 
it's not just like, you know, give me all the money. It is a nine page like letter with uh, instructions for Brian, like very, very detailed instructions of what he should do. Like go to this McDonald's across the street at this time and go to blah, blah, blah locations. And we'll get into more of those details, but it was very, very detailed. And one of the pages was a note for the bank teller and one was for the police. Um, he asked for $250,000, but got $8,000 because that's all there was in the drawer. It's not like the bank has like all this money in the world, you know, inside. Um, so he left the bank after that, after getting $8,000 and went to McDonald's across the street and picked up another note, got in his vehicle and tried to drive away. But that's when he was stopped on Peach Street, uh, which is like he didn't get far. It's like literally across the street from the bank and the McDonald's. So Brian Wells is a pizza delivery man. So he is kind of just assuming this like average guy, you know, and the troopers see that he has a bomb strapped to his body. So they quickly isolate him. Um, and he's cuffed and sitting against a police car and there are cops surrounding him from like a short distance away, like just in case, like, you know, the bomb gets off, but he's like completely surrounded by cops. And the crazy thing is like, all of this is on video and like, you can see it in the documentary. Like you can see all of it. It's so crazy. Um, and Brian spoke very, very calmly. Like he wasn't someone who was like freaking out that there was a bomb strapped to him, you know, like you would imagine he would be, you know, I don't even know how I would be reacting. I think yeah. that if there was a bomb strapped to me that could blow at any second, I would, I mean, I would be like noticeably, sorry, Jilly would be freaking out. Clearly. <laughs> um, I would be noticeably like shaken up. I'd be, I'd be yeah. shaking. My voice would be shaking. I'd probably be sweaty. I'd be yeah. freaking out. Yeah. I think I would, I probably won't even be able to speak. Like I'd be like, just like screaming or something. I don't know. But <laughs> Emily just straight. <laughs> like I'm a crazy person. Not, walks into the bank. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. Yeah. Hopefully I'm, I never have to know, but you know. Um, so he was just very calmly like, can you take these handcuffs off of me? And can you take this bomb off of me? Kind of just like asking politely, asking the cops. Um, earlier that day, Brian had left from the pizza shop that he worked at to deliver two pizzas to a remote location, which is by this unoccupied radio tower. And as he's sitting there, like cuffed and against the car, the police car, he said that two black people jumped him and put a bomb around his neck and asked for the keys. Um, which the cops immediately was like, that's probably a cover story. Like what's, you know, that doesn't sound legit. Um, Honestly, it doesn't because yeah. I feel like that's always people's story is like, oh, a black man attacked me. And like, I've, I've heard that more than once when people are just making up stories, they always say something about yeah, being, like being attacked by just a random, like just a general description. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing more than that. Just super basic. Yeah, which is awful. And uh, 
So then beeping started. And that's when Brian really started to freak out. Like when the beeping started, he started really like, oh my God, like get this off of me, get this off of me. And police believe that because of that, because he was so calm before, he didn't really believe it was a real bomb or didn't really know if it was real until the beeping started. And the bomb went off (gasps) and Brian flips onto his back and a small explosion goes off. And this is all on camera. Like in the documentary, you literally watch him blow up. Yeah. (gasps) Not like, it's not like a huge explosion, like, you know, like body pieces everywhere. It, but it, the bomb caused like a hole in his chest. Like he, his whole body didn't blow apart, but like a hole in his chest. It was a small explosion. Yeah. And so it was, it was around his neck, you said? So there was a collar around his neck that was Mm -hmm. um, like a triggering device, but it was a tap, but the actual bomb itself was like uh, wrapped around his whole torso, like to his chest. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I I would be panicking as soon as that beeping started. I think I would be just trying to tear it off. Yeah. Which terrifying. So, um, and it, it really is like, I can't, I honestly can't believe they showed it, but they do. And, um, yeah, it's crazy. So the bomb squad arrived after that, unfortunately they were too far away to get there on time. And they saw that he had part of the device still around his neck. And he was still breathing when they got there, but he died very shortly after they arrived from his injuries. Um, so the area is searched for more bombs, including his car, where they found a lot more notes. So what Brian was supposed to do is go on this weird scavenger hunt, going from place to place to get multiple keys that would release the bomb. So it wasn't just one key. It was like you needed three keys to unlock it in total. And he was supposed to go on a scavenger hunt to get them. That is psychotic. That is a horrible, like, psychotic game. I I don't even know. It's like something out of Saw. Yes. Yes, like, this is a sick game. Terrifying. Yeah. Um, so he was then instructed to drive to a traffic light sign that had a note in a coffee jar on the side of the road. And police are finding all of this because obviously Brian never got to this. Um, <clears throat> then after that, he was supposed to travel to the side of the road off of a highway and police found some orange tape with my notes say with Vietnam written on it, but I don't know what I meant because I'm pretty sure that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> so let's just say there was something written on this orange tape, unfortunately, that I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? It was just like autocorrect. It probably, I probably spelled something wrong and it changed it to Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, 
I guess it's not important because there's literally nothing else in my notes about this. But okay, so police found this orange tape and then the police saw a minivan driving away from that location. It was a blue minivan and it stopped, backed up and just took off. Um, So please kind of assume that was probably whoever did this, who they were coming to see if like Brian had showed up or something. Um, The FBI was brought in because it happened at a federal bank. So there was this whole jurisdiction war between the state and the FBI. But in the end, the FBI took point on the case and state assisted. So Jerry Clark becomes head of the FBI for this case. And he starts searching Brian's place Um, because one of the things they wanted to determine is, was Brian part of this or was he a victim? Um, They're kind of unsure at this point. Uh, They never found any physical evidence that linked him to the bombing. So unfortunately, they were forced to decapitate his body to get the bomb off his neck because what? they weren't sure if it would go off if they tried to remove it or anything. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And okay, so the thing is they're, they're wondering if he's a part of it, but he mm-hmm. literally died and was freaking out. I don't understand how he would be a part of it. They, um, so they were taking into account like the police that he was very, very calm in the bank like he stood in line he didn't just like run up to the bank teller like he stood in line and waited he stopped to take a lollipop from the desk at the bank and like unwrapped it put it in his mouth and was just like casually swinging his cane around and um so they were kind of questioning if he had a real bomb on him if he thought it was a real bomb why was he acting so calm why was he like he stopped to like take the lollipop so that is really where they're coming from like maybe he thought it was fake and then when it started beeping that like he realized it was real you know um so I don't think that it's it's so hard because that guy for one he might have been in denial he might have been like there's so many other things that could have been going down in his mind for him to be like behaving like that but that is weird they literally went and took a lollipop yeah but maybe it was like him trying to act casual yeah like people and people like react to shock in different ways and everything right Um, yeah he could literally be just in shock so there were tire impressions and shoe impressions taken at the radio tower where the pizzas were delivered to confirm that brian was there in his car Um, and there was a sign of struggle as well, but there was no DNA. So they couldn't find like, or locate like who else was in on this from any DNA. Um, Brian's sister, Jean, found out about her brother's death on the news, which, why does this keep happening? We say this all the time. Like, that's so horrible. So horrible. Um, I mean, I, I know I've said this before, like right now with social media, I mean, it's so easy for that to to happen because the news sees it right away and can report, be reporting it live and, you know, all of that. But still, like, 
that should be number one priority is telling the family. Yeah. That's the whole, that's a horrible way to find out. Especially since he wasn't unidentifiable. Like they knew who he was like right away, but yeah. Um, so she and his two other sisters were furious. Like the family was just so angry that no ambulances or help were called for him. And they were especially angry at the decapitation of his body because they couldn't have an open casket viewing at his funeral. And they just, they were very angry because they believed it was like so disrespectful to his body um, that they could have, it could have been handled differently, I suppose, is what they thought. And okay, this is the bomb squad. They should be, they should be (laughs) able to figure out how to deactivate this bomb. Without yeah. having to remove this guy's head. Yeah. It's just like such I... a gruesome detail that they had to do. And you're right. The bomb squad is the one that came on scene and found him still breathing. Yeah. So where was the ambulance? They yep. should be, they should have been on scene with the police officers in case something were to happen. It, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, cause I know that sometimes they rig bombs to where one goes off and then the people come in to help. And then they, it attacks the first responders too. Mm-hmm. So like I understand that when a bomb goes off, people have to be safe for themselves as well because that does happen quite a bit. But still, it's just so messed up that there was not even anyone on the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really sad. And Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so two weeks later, August 31st, 2003, Brian's co-worker and friend, Robert Thomas Panetti, was found unresponsive at his home, and there were no signs of anything like a stroke or a heart attack. Uh, Friends and family were saying that Robert was very nervous in the days after uh, Brian's death, that he was like saying, I'm going to be next, and he was supposed to give an interview to the police on Monday, but he died the day before. So it's kind of like suspicious. His friend dies two weeks later before he's about to do a police interview, you know. Uh, But the autopsy showed accidental overdose or suicide. So they kind of ruled out anything suspicious, even though a lot of people believe it was it's still. Possibly, you know, a lot of people believe it was possibly murder that he was given an overdose of something. Right, that is convenient, and it is pretty easy, especially if the person's a known drug user, yeah, to um, stage that. Exactly. And one team on the FBI was sent to check out on Brian's life, his girlfriend, who was a prostitute, and another team was investigating the pizza shop to see if there was, since this other coworker, like two people at this pizza shop are dead in two weeks, but they found no connections of like, I don't know, some conspiracy at the pizza shop to this crime of robbing the bank. But by then, the media got wind of all of this investigation of the pizza shop and they started calling it the pizza bomber, as it is known today. And they found out that the cane gun was made from wood and metal. It was handmade. Uh, and so was the bomb caller but whoever did it had to know how to work with wood and metal they had to have because it was very 
like intricately done, like someone who knows what they're doing. And it was actually surprising how well it was made. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, he was able to make this so that they literally had to decapitate the guy to take it off. Plus, it does not sound easy to build a cane gun. Yeah. That's nuts. It's crazy. Like, who thinks that? that something that someone could just casually throw together yeah it's like yeah definitely something not your average joe would make so another special agent evidence the evidence collection team kind of recreated these weapons to see like how they worked the neck cuff was made like a large handcuff that was for the neck with timers attached to the bone and there were Inside the device, there were actually fake wires in it, specifically to mess with the bomb squad so that they would have to waste their time like worrying about these fake wires that didn't actually do anything before they got to the real wires, which is, again, a sophisticated, tricky move. Right. That's not something that someone could just just do. This is someone with experience. Yeah. Um, it also had four keyholes for four different keys. I think I said three earlier. It was four. My bad. Um, and the wound in Brian's chest caused, it was a one inch deep square shape in his chest when that, that was what the bomb did. It like went one inch deep into his chest and like blew it open. Um, so investigators then they did the route of the scavenger hunt to see if Brian had completed it, would he have had time um, in 20 minutes? Because that's what the bomb was set on a timer for. If he could do this scavenger hunt in 20 minutes. Um, And at the location of the bank, there was an interstate that could have you in two different states in like in that 20 minute time. Because New York is right to the east and Ohio is right to the west. So it could have been very easy. Like if you're doing a bank heist, get on that highway and leave. And you could be in two different states within 20 minutes. That would have been really easy. So why was he sent on this big scavenger hunt? It was a really big circle. And it was determined that Brian could not have completed the route in time, even if he tried. So the, they were just messing with him. You know, that's really strange to me that they would even be saying anything um, like that the people that set Brian up mm-hmm. with all this would even want to be getting that money. You know, the, they said 250000 at first, right? Yeah. So when at what point would they get it? Because they're making him go straight, leave the bank, go straight to the McDonald's across the street. Yeah. So not really giving him any kind of escape plan for them to even obtain this money in the first place. Yeah. So it's just weird. set up to, to kill him in the end anyway. I think um, possibly he was supposed to leave the money somewhere, but then go on this like scavenger hunt for the keys. Um, I think because this was very, very planned out like in the nine pages of instructions that he was given. Um, So I think there was a drop-off somewhere. 
but I'm not 100% sure. So handwriting was assessed and determined to have been typed notes. And then someone traced over the typewriter, like writing it out to keep from handwriting being distinguished so that like experts couldn't figure out like who wrote this. Um, who did this? This yeah. is this is Crazy. so well thought out. Yeah. What is going on? So three weeks after this, a man named Bill Rothstein calls the police and says, uh, there's a frozen body in my garage and there's a woman in there that you should really talk to. And it turns out this house is right across from the radio tower where Brian delivered the pizzas to and this whole thing started. So that's suspicious. That's weird. Uh, and then this bill on the phone says that it's Marjorie Deal Armstrong is the woman. And the guy in the freezer is her boyfriend. And he warns the police that she is a very intelligent, like extremely intelligent woman. And she's very, very good at manipulation. And he also said that she asked Bill to put the body of her boyfriend in a wood chipper. And he was like, yeah, I just, I can't do that. So he called the police. Uh, Marjorie is bipolar. She suffers from mania. She has narcissistic traits. She could never really hold down a job. And she once told a therapist she had that she could never have meaningful relationships with people. Um, and men in her life didn't tend to last very long. Her husband, her first husband, Richard, died after he fell and hit his head on the coffee table. Uh, she sued the hospital for negligence with that. And she actually won $175,000, which is insane. Because how could she sue the hospital for an accident that happened at home? I guess when she took him there and then he died. But Yeah, I guess negligence, like, maybe they didn't do, like, a head CT or something like that. Yeah. Which they should have done. Um, of course, everyone believed that was not really an accident. Uh, but a weird thing too she asked for a piece of her first husband's leg bone in case she could clone him eventually someday um what did she get it do you know yeah they gave it to her what so weird so weird um yeah one of her boyfriends hung himself and at least five men that she dated or married died strangely or tragically so uh, Marjorie has uh, some explaining to do, but she's always going to like court and like lawsuits over these deaths and she's like winning. So, hmm. This is, this is a really scary combination for one. First off, a woman, just because people never suspect women yeah. to be like the narcissists and to be the abusive ones, um, even though it is very common. Um, two... The fact that she has the this uh, bipolar and what else did you list? Uh, mania, um, mania yeah. narcissism, depression. Yeah. yeah. So she's got all of these. Um, plus, she's super manipulative and intelligent. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is really a scary combination um, to make a uh, 
what do they call them a black widow yes yes yeah they're like if you're like killing your boyfriend's husband yeah yes this is a scary this is and clearly i mean that's that's nuts that um that she would possibly you know push her husband or whatever she did to make him fall into the coffee table and hit his head so bad to where he literally died yeah um and then be able to sue the hospital for negligence when it's like they could have easily been like well you know let's investigate this initial accident further all right yeah and then maybe found that she actually smacked him upside the head with something or or pushed him into the coffee table or something it's a bold move it is very very bold mm-hmm. but she gets away with it so she keeps doing it so bill who called the cops on her is marjorie's ex-boyfriend he's the only man to be an ex of hers that lived so hmm i wonder if he knew that at the time like, yeah hey, you know, all your exes are dead isn't that a little strange <laughs> isn't that weird huh like i wonder how many people that she actually told about or like if it would just be like randomly coming up like oh yeah that's my ex-husband i'm a widow like or my well i'm a widow my husband died and then go on oh yeah that was my boyfriend we dated for a while then broke up and then he died like yeah. it's just so weird going through like your list it's bizarre hearing it coming up one after another like okay how how many people in your life actually died like should i <laughs> if i heard that i'd be like i i gotta go i'll see myself out see you never honestly even if i didn't think that she was the one doing it i'd be like there's clearly a black cloud following you and yes. i just need to get away it's a curse i'm not gonna be part yes. of this see ya. right Mm-mm. like i'm not i'm not gonna consider myself the lucky one i'm just gonna get out yeah <laughs> oh good so marjorie shows up this is bill's story to the police marjorie shows up to his house um saying she murdered her boyfriend the body was wrapped and marjorie was sitting on the bed raving that she wanted police to leave and she was placed under arrest um she tells the police that bill is the one who killed her boyfriend and police said she smelled awful like she hadn't bathed in weeks and she was like mumbling to herself and ranting and they could kind of see that there were like mental health issues involved by the way she was acting um bill said that marjorie called him and told him that her boyfriend jim was dead and she was yelling you're the only one who can help me and bill finally admitted that he said he would try to help her he admitted to going to her house to try and get rid of the body for her. Um, and that's when he took it to his house and put it in his freezer in his garage, the body. But then when she asked him to put the body in the wood chipper and destroy it, he changed his mind and decided this is like going way too far and I don't want to be involved anymore. And that's when he called the cops. So he's like, yeah, I admit I probably shouldn't have agreed to help her. I just you know, we were in love once upon a time. I wanted to help her. She's very manipulative. She can get me to do anything kind of thing. So. Oh my gosh. Like the fact that he still ended up going to the police after um, he had been a part of it. I mean, he literally yeah. helped her cover it up and he kept it in his freezer. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. honestly, you know what she could have done, which would have been really like clever and sneaky on her part, is she could have been like, I think that someone such killed my boyfriend. Like, can you go check out his house? Yeah. He's got it at his house and his freezer. She could have done that too. Yeah. And, okay. He keeps okay. Also, I'm wondering. So he keeps this person in his freezer. Um, for one, is is so is this freezer now just dedicated to this person? Yeah, or, the only thing in this freezer. Oh, so you actually knew that? Yeah. Okay, that's good. At least he wasn't like keeping other food. And then why is he, why is he cr- drawing the line at wood chipper? Right. In his mind, he's like too far. I, I can't destroy this body, but like this body is like frozen solid in your freezer. Yeah, then what was the plan if you weren't planning on destroying the body? Just keeping it for her? I'll no, store really. this for you, but destroy it? Uh-uh. Yeah, it doesn't I don't make know. any sense. Like to me. you were just gonna keep it in there forever? Like, ew. Yeah. Right. It's just what like in his mind, why did that cross the line over keeping it in in your basement freezer? I think that is because I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, just the thought of it would be really freaky. Yeah. Think about putting someone through a wood chipper. That'd be horrifying. But also the thought of putting someone down in your in your freezer is horrifying to me as well. Yeah. So I just I don't know why he's like, uh-uh, no, uh-uh. this is too far. So the body was frozen to the side of the freezer and it was frozen solid. So they had to thaw the whole body before they could even remove it. And it took four days for the thong to complete so he was in there for about three weeks that makes me so nauseous to think about that's horrible yeah poor person i know i know poor guy um he was also they discovered after the thawing that he was shot with a shotgun and that was how he died that's what happened um bill had made a list of supplies such as a tarp and a meat grinder and he even went to the store for a meat grinder and when the police asked him about all this like what is this about buddy he was like oh i was just doing this as a diversion to marjorie to buy time for you guys to buy time for the police and the fbi to come and Police are like, I don't know what to do about Bill because Bill seems like a very charismatic guy, but like, how much did he actually know? How much did he just, is it true? Like she manipulated him into just covering it up or was he like involved in the murder? They kind of are unsure at this point. I don't know. His name's Bill, you said? Yes. Yeah. Bill really dug himself into a hole. And I think that he is guilty to some degree. I mean- it is in his house, in his freezer. Mm-hmm. He bought a meat grinder. He, I mean, what, was he planning on keeping this forever? No. He had plans yeah. to do something with it. So the fact that he just eventually is the first one to chicken out with, like, whatever plan they had mm-hmm. does not make him a better person in my mind. Yeah. You know? I don't think he's, like, I wouldn't say he's innocent by any means right like there's something going on and then 
you can only be manipulated so much in my opinion to be manipulated i'm putting air quotes manipulated yeah and you putting somebody's murdered body into your freezer i mean you'd have to be under some sort of psychosis to fall for that right <laughs> be yeah innocent. like come on um so the fbi discovered that bill was or no <laughs> that jim was killed three weeks before the bank heist and his body was in the freezer during the search of the tower site which was like right next door um and when the fbi jerry clark head of the case goes to interview bill bill said right off the bat i want you to know right off the top that i'm the smartest guy in this room so Bill's kind of not really helping himself by saying things like this to the FBI. No, he's not. Yeah. Like, who even says that? Who, who that wants to be found innocent would say, I'm smarter than you. Yeah. No, I would be like, you guys are the experts. You guys know what you're doing. Like, that's the charismatic response. Not, yeah. I'm smarter than you. Not establishing that you think oh, if you're the smartest guy in the room, then you could definitely think you were capable of committing a crime and getting away with it. Hello? Yeah. I think I've said this before. If you feel the need to announce that you're the smartest person, you are actually probably one of the dumbest people in there. (laughs) Literally. Yep. Um, So Jerry asks about the relationship between Brian and Jim because... At this point, they're thinking there's no way this can be a coincidence uh, that these two crimes happen so close to each other within the same radius of time and they're not related. But Bill was like, there's no relationship. But then he changes and says, I can't talk about it. So that means there's gotta be a relationship, you know? Hello? And friends all said though that bill never had a mean bone in his body he was this he was a rich kid who was like bullied though for being jewish and he dropped out of college to help run his family business and he was like this perfect guy but everyone thought marjorie was a very nasty person who had her claws in deep in bill which does happen the thing but that is, doesn't mean he's innocent. <laughs> right. That's what I keep saying. thinking is like, yes, this sucks for him. I mean, he might have gotten manipulated, but he's still guilty. He's yeah. still yeah. his. He um, did it. Yeah. His autonomy was still there. He still knew. Yeah. Um, Marjorie was a very beautiful person. Very good magician. I almost said magician, musician back in the day. (laughs) Um, Oh man, in the 70s. Uh, And she had this very intense aura. People were just like attracted to her. And Bill and Marjorie were together because of their intelligence level. Like they felt like they were equals intelligence wise because they were both like way smarter than most people around them. And they were engaged at one time, but she called it off and they were on again, off again for a very long time. Um, And when, by the time this crime happens though, Marjorie has gone like 
sharp decline. And it's really shocking. Like in the documentary, when you see pictures of her when she was like younger and she really is like so pretty. And then she just looks horrible at this time. Like she really like let herself go. And she looks like a psycho crazy person who doesn't take care of herself at all at this point. Well, the thing is, you said that she, yeah, had, they said that she had clearly not bathed in a long time. Like, and that's the issue with mental health, um, especially bipolar disorder is you get manic and you are, you are super hyperactive. You have these grandiose thoughts Mm -hmm. and then, um, so bipolar. So that's the, that's the top of the spectrum. And then you go all the way down to the bottom to like massive depression where you can't get out of bed. You can't, you don't want to talk to anyone. You are just super depressed. And this is like when people have, um, bipolar disorder and it's to that extent where they go extremely manic and extremely depressed. It can be like that where they seem like really put together people. And then all of a sudden they like, they don't bathe. They can't get anything right. They're just lay in bed all day. Yeah. So it was probably that she was just like manic and then just crashed. Yeah, for sure. And so Marjorie claimed she had no idea about anything relating to Brian Wells and that she said in her interview, I know how to get money. I have, why would I need to rob a bank? I have so many, I have so much money from all these lawsuits I win. I don't need to rob a bank for money, which isn't exactly the right thing to say, but okay. You know, when people that claim that they're so smart start talking and like, they try to start using logic, like, why would I do this when I have this? Mm-hmm. usually incriminates themselves when they say stuff like that <laughs> that happens way too often and just like trying to use logic like that does not help their case at all yeah so state troopers determined that jim was shot and killed at marjorie's home in erie so they go to her house to investigate this and she was a major hoarder Her home was disgusting, filled with trash, like halfway up the walls, sometimes almost to the ceiling in some rooms. And there was just so much stuff. And she didn't believe or trust in banks. So she had large chunks of money stashed away randomly in her house. And even if you wanted to rob her for all of her money, like it'd be so hard to because there was just stuff everywhere and it'd be impossible to find. And they found two dead cats in her house and several others like a lot of cats who were rescued thank god you know i was gonna say did she have a lot of cats because for some reason hoarders just love cats yeah and they always find dead cats always Mm -hmm. like oh man don't drag the animals into your problems people i know it's so like they would be better off living outside than in your nasty home yeah literally um So one of Marjorie's friends, Ken Barnes, he was a fishing buddy of hers, is interviewed. And Ken described Jim as Marjorie's little puppet, that he was a very timid person and Marjorie was definitely in charge in their relationship. Um, And Ken reminds them, though, that in 1984, Marjorie shot and killed her boyfriend, Thomas, 
And she did go to court and everything, but she got off because she claimed it was self-defense and the court believed her. So she didn't serve time for Thomas's death. And Ken says she would laugh about it all the time that she got away with it and thought it was so funny that she got away with Thomas's murder. Hilarious. So Bill remains free for his cooperation with the police for now. And he gives tours of the crime scene. He gives them a full rundown of what happened when he got to Marjorie's house and how he got the body out there, how he cleaned it up, all of it. So he said he used an ass. I don't know how to say this. <laughs> um, acetylene torch to get rid of the gun um which is like a chemical that makes it especially like flammable like it'll just like the gun could totally melt and like disappear so they don't have this gun it's completely destroyed um and bill wrote a note to the police saying that he had nothing to do with the wells case and this is before this is before the phone call before everything he reveals this note but why would you here's my question why would you specifically go out of your time to write to the police and say no this had nothing to do with like brian wells and the bank heist because that just seems suspicious that doesn't seem in your favor Right. In my mind, I'm not connecting these at all. And then I all of a sudden I see, ah, but I'm not a part of this. Like, then I start thinking, hmm. okay, maybe this all ties together. Yeah. Like, as an investigator, you are taught to look at each case individually. It takes so long for people to connect cases together like that. Yeah. Until the people that are, <laughs> that the, the, until the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? what am i looking for what like it's not the witness it's not the the person convicted the the defendant i don't know i'm thinking court terms sure um until the defendant actually brings that up yeah okay that's all i was trying to say jeez (laughs) the person accused you know there we go yes the (laughs) accused yes uh yeah um okay so john who is bill's brother tells the police his parents were very wealthy and then all of a sudden there was money missing and bill was having financial issues and then bill said he was going to kill himself but he didn't have the guts to do it so um right before the heist Bill happened to be in this family feud with his siblings. His brother and sister wanted to sell their parents' house where Bill had been living rent-free. So he didn't want to move. Um, But his family wanted to get rid of it. And Bill was the guarantee of the family estate. So he was able to lie to his siblings. And he said he put the house up on the market for $90,000. But he actually listed the house for $250,000 which happens to be the amount Brian Wells was supposed to get from the bank. Uh, So Bill took a polygraph and almost fell asleep during this 
test, which is very odd. Um, but he passed. But Jerry Clark was like, you know what? This is a guy who is totally able to trick a system. Like he's still messing with us for sure. Um, okay, wait. Okay, I have several okay. thoughts. So, you know, he probably almost fell asleep because he was either like taught himself how to like be calm and like bring himself to another place, you know? Mm-hmm. So he might've been using some kind of like personal like hypnosis type um I don't know strategies to try to pass this for one also I mean I know that typically beforehand they test you before they do a polygraph to make sure you don't have any uh drugs in your system Mm -hmm. but if they hadn't done that he could have taken like some kind of sleeping pills or something to like calm him because that's the whole point is you want to be calm right so the fact that he almost falls asleep tells me that he was either like that he was under some some sort of strategy type thing you know yeah very zen right exactly yeah I can't remember my other thoughts on it (laughs) I mean (laughs) I'll I'll interrupt if I think of them okay so another person comes into suspicion or under suspicion Floyd Stockton who was Bill's roommate and he happened to move out right around the time of the bank heist and Marjorie tells the police he left because the police were around looking like around Bill's house looking at this bank heist thing and Floyd was on the run so he had to disappear because Floyd had raped a teenage disabled girl in the past and the FBI ended up catching up with him and Floyd is like I know nothing about either test or either case And he passes a lie detector test. So Bill and Floyd are both cleared, even though they're two very suspicious people at this point. So they're cleared, but they're like not, the police are kind of, the FBI are still like, "Mm, I'm going to keep an eye on you though. Okay. So I remember my other thought. Bill and Marjorie, right? Her name's Marjorie. Yep. Are both very convinced that they are extremely intelligent people. Mm-hmm. And like we keep saying, to, in order to do this bank heist, you have to you have to have been a very intelligent person to be able to do this. Yeah. And they seem like the type that enjoy manipulating others, especially Marjorie, mm-hmm. into into doing this and playing this game. So, I yeah, I think it's them. That's all I'm saying so far. Yep. <laughs> um. So five months after the heist. January 2004, Marjorie is in court for murder charges for her boyfriend, Jim. Bill would only serve a few years in prison for abuse of corpse, but he did not have to go to trial because he got a deal through his cooperation with the police. So during the months before his sentencing, he was also allowed to be free. He didn't have to spend that time in jail. But he got increasingly ill and he had terminal cancer and died under medical watch at a hospital before anything else could come out or before he could even go to jail. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's just like a horrible coincidence. Mm-hmm. And you said he was one of the only people that had survived. Um, like who? Yeah. Survived. Dating survived Marjorie. Marjorie. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? 
That she is, she is a curse. Whether she killed them or not, she's a curse. Yes, yes. She is literally a black cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, Glory, so Gloria Bishop, who was a former inmate who shared a cell with Marjorie, said that Marjorie threatened to kill inmates she didn't like all the time. And she also confessed to Gloria that she shot and killed James Roden, Jim, and had absolutely no regrets about it. She was kind of gleeful about it. Um, and Gloria would watch her stand in front of a mirror for hours, shaving her eyebrows, which is something that doesn't take hours, but she would just do it over and over when guards were present. Like she would act crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the motion of just shaving my eyebrows. Over and over. Yeah, that's the, really don't you think you, that would hurt so bad like once it's gone you're just like scraping your skin my dude yeah you would literally just have razor burn all the time your Uh, eyebrows would be you still would have eyebrows because it would just be razor burn at that point yeah um marjorie requests a plea deal saying she was not in her right mind when she killed jim and she pled guilty but mentally ill to third degree murder which is a seven-year minimum sentence, and she would likely be paroled after that. And she's moved to a psych ward. So, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. even though she's really intelligent, I think that the, the bipolar disorder definitely qualifies her. Yeah. Um, so a producer named Trey Borzielli, no, Borzelleri, he reached out to Marjorie through letters and while she was in prison, and she claimed she was very familiar with the Brian Wells case, that she had five college degrees and was completely lucid of mind after she was saying, I'm crazy, I'm crazy, I need to go to a psych ward. But now she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm so smart. I have five college degrees, which she did. She was a very smart person and completely sane. Um, and she said she would help Trey with information at the Brian Wells case if she could get cash and legal help from him. So in her interview with him, she claimed Bill was the mastermind of the heist, but that she had nothing to do with it. And she wrote a letter to the police saying she could give information on other crimes, including one with her old fishing buddy, Ken Barnes. Um, she said there were others in on the pizza bomber with Bill, but would not say how she knew all of this stuff, conveniently. And in 2003, the stuff that was in Marjorie's house was put in storage, which is a lot of shit. And the FBI was now able to like go through it, and they found a letter that she wrote to a bank manager in her stuff. And... The manager had let Marjorie's dad empty a safe, a family safety deposit box that had valuables belonging to her at a PNC bank, which is the bank that was robbed. Um, Marjorie was very careful with her words in interviews. She gave like very shallow, like one word answers. Her goal was just to be moved to a prison closer to Erie because she was kind of far away. Um, and she also tells Trey that Bill had a blue Astro van that he was driving that day. And Trey gives a video of it to the police 
and the state trooper recognize it as that van that like backed up and pulled away from the scene that day. So friends of Bill's look at the instructions for the heist and they recognize his handwriting. So it kind of ties him into it and they say, oh yeah, Bill would totally be capable of like doing the tracing thing with the handwriting, um, you know, to try and fool the police and everything. So the summer of 2005, a witness tells a story to journalists that he was driving on the highway not far from the bank robbery site that day and saw a gold car driving full speed on the shoulder on the wrong side of the road. So like driving into traffic and that it was a woman and it was Marjorie. And he said he called the police that day when it happened, but he was never formally interviewed. Um, Marjorie admits to Jerry when he brings this up, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was on the highway that day and I was driving the wrong way. My bad. But uh, she wouldn't say that, like, the reason she was out there, the reason that she was driving on the wrong side of the road. She was like, okay, I was there, but that's it. For somebody that is so smart, and this happens so often, she's like, no, like, street smarts, you know? Yeah. Where she, like, you do not draw attention to yourself when you're in the process of committing a crime. Right. Like, and driving down the highway on the shoulder on the wrong side of the road is probably one of the dumbest things you could do. Very noticeable. Yes, right. Exactly. Everyone's going to see that. Everyone's going to freak out and remember that. Mm-hmm. In a bright gold car. Exactly. Um, another person said... They saw a very large man with overalls on, which is Bill, and Marjorie at a gas station together that day. And she again admitted, oh, yeah, I was at that gas station, but for totally unrelated reasons. I was just there getting gas, blah, blah, blah. So every time she's caught, she's like, oh, I was there. But no, it had nothing to do with anything. So four inmates who were with Marjorie said she had told them she shot Jim because he was going to expose the pizza bombers plot that he knew about it and was going to be the whistleblower and that's why she killed him and Kelly who is a former inmate took extensive notes whenever Marjorie talked to her um and she gave them to the police and she asked that these notes that she was taking be sent to the FBI repeatedly, but they were always just shoved in a drawer that was labeled snitch letters. So they were ignored for a really long time, which stupid. You should really listen to people more often when they're telling you these things, but whatever. The FBI was very angry when they found out about the notes um, that they have just been filed away and not taken seriously. Um, and Kelly wrote to Marjorie, or Kelly wrote that Marjorie said Bill made the neck bomb, that Floyd was involved, and said, it's not like we didn't measure his neck for the collar, and laughed when she said that. So she's incriminating all of them now. They're all together on this. And that Bill was the one who built those devices. So July 2005, FBI interview Floyd 
in prison and he had a lot of information but refused to give a lot of details and then ken is put under investigation again in the fall of 2005 um which there's a lot of people involved so i hope everyone is following sorry but um brian would drive a prostitute named jessica hoopstick to ken's house they would go in a bedroom and have sex and then brian would pay jessica and then jessica would buy cocaine from ken so it was like this whole process that they had so they all knew each other um and the police believe jessica probably knew something since she was involved with all these people but she refused to talk and refused to give any information um the police went to ken barnes house and it was also disgusting he was also an extreme hoarder and they found a lot of magazines on electronics that could be used as an explosive device so hmm but ken denies any involvement and then reveals that marjorie had asked him to participate and to rob the bank and kill her dad so there's an added element to this crime now she was angry that her father she being marjorie was angry that her father had taken her inheritance and it was confirmed that her dad was giving out a lot of money to neighbors to like help them like oh they needed to buy a car oh they needed repairs on their house he would he was a very generous person and gave away that money and she was like that's my inheritance money and was like very angry about it ew yeah selfish little turd face mm-hmm. so now they ha- police have like motive that marjorie wanted to rob bank to get money to pay ken to murder her dad like as a hitman but ken said he refused he was like she asked me to do this but i was never gonna do it i was like haha okay but like i was never gonna do it um back in 2003 when ken was interviewed he did say that marjorie had asked him to kill her dad for money but that info was never passed on to the fbi so the snitch letters ken's interview never given to the fbi like those are pretty reliable people i mean because they're they were so close to her yeah that's ridiculous ridiculous so the producer who has been exchanging letters back and forth trey visited marjorie's father and asked him how he felt that his own daughter had taken her um had tried to take him out like on a hit and he was like you know i took marjorie out of my will a very long time ago so she never would have gotten that money anyway uh that she and her father used to be really close but they started to really drift apart when she started hoarding and that her mental health was declining a lot um and he stopped giving her money because she kept getting in trouble with the law and he said i'm not it's not helping you at this point it's just enabling you so he stopped giving her money and that's when she really started to hate him and he had like i said been giving money out to friends and neighbors in need and he had given out like around a million dollars at this point to family so they had money um and he always wanted to help people but giving money to marjorie would only allow her to commit more crimes wow that's a huge decision 
for a father to make for his daughter like mm-hmm. just take the, her out of the inheritance because he's like well it's not going to benefit you anyway and like that's true but as a father you want to help your your children as much as you can yeah that's amazing that I like I actually like respect him a lot for yeah for that decision because that couldn't have been easy for him for sure and like that's so like I would I can't imagine that feeling your child who you have raised and loved your whole life tried to put a hit out on you and oh my god that's insane um so she slipped up marjorie did and she said to jerry clark head of fbi at this point um that she bought bill two kitchen timers that he asked for but the police had never revealed that there were two timers in the bomb or that they were like kitchen timers so it was a detail that if she wasn't involved at all how would she have known um what an idiot why would she even mention that if she was if she's not asked specifically for it then don't give it literally cover something up she's a moron yeah um in december of 2005 ken finally admits that he was in on the heist but that marjorie was the mastermind of the whole thing and that there was a meeting the day before where everyone discussed their roles of what was going to do what they were going to do that brian wells was there at the meeting as part of the heist he wasn't a victim says ken um with bill marjorie and floyd ken was supposed to be a lookout jim was supposed to be the getaway driver but he had cold feet which is why marjorie had killed him and bill called for the pizza at the shell gas station and they waited at the cell tower for the pizza brian came delivered the pizza and floyd then came out with the bomb and that's when brian really panicked and started to run away but Ken stopped him, hit him over the head, and Bill pulled out a gun and shot it in the air and said, like, no one is going anywhere. And they held Brian down and put the bomb on him while he was yelling, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So this is. And then when police and the media found out about this, there was another huge frenzy of okay, maybe Brian was involved, but then he turned into a victim because he wanted to get out of it and he didn't want to do it. So it's that very fine line of like victim and participant and if any of this is to be believed, you know, because Ken's telling the story. Well, I mean, I feel like that's a detail that he didn't need to add about like forcing him into it, you know? Right. And yeah. I think that they can, they can tell whether or not he got hit upside the head with something. Because um, they clearly have the head. Yeah. So, I don't know. But still, like, I think that he's, I think that would make him innocent. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, maybe I mean, he, he died- knew something was going down, but never thought it was, like, that much. Because all he was supposed to do originally was just deliver a pizza and make it seem like that was part of the thing i don't know well then i don't like i don't think he's really because he died in this it's not like he intentionally died either like they set him up to die right so i think no matter what he is he is 
a victim in this. Yeah, I agree. And if I, I like, agree with the victim. Yeah, even if he was initially part of the crime. Mm-hmm. But he didn't realize the extent of the crime. Yeah. Um weird that he would be a part of it and he'd have all these clues and all these keys and all this. There's no way that he was a part of it, in my opinion. Right. I don't think so. So Marjorie gave Brian the note with all of the instructions and told him, if you get caught, just tell them it was two black guys and gave him the cane gun to use if he got in trouble, which is what we heard in the beginning. Um, That's so annoying. Tell him it's two black guys. No other description. No glasses. No hats. That'll be it. That's all you need. No tattoos. Nothing. Just two black guys. Yeah. I'll totally believe it. Okay. Totally. Um, so Marjorie and Ken actually sat in a car across from the bank and like watched the whole thing through binoculars in their car. And when the cops showed up, they drove away to Bill's house to switch cars. And Marjorie then got back on the highway going in the wrong direction to go pick up the money. And because she's stupid. And well, so she's frantically driving to go pick up the money. What if a police car were to then try to pull her over because she's obviously driving the wrong way? Yeah. Don't you think if you were in the middle of committing a crime, you would try and not commit other crimes along the way? Like, right. I don't know. You know what I picture when I when I hear that? I picture that part in the 101 Dalmatians and Cruella de De Bell is like driving like a crazy person her (laughs) eyes are like red and humongous that's what I picture (laughs) yeah I can see that actually especially the description like a gold car like yeah it It fits yeah (laughs) so um Ken then tells police that the bomb was supposed to be fake and everyone um Everyone but Bill and Marjorie thought it was fake and it wasn't supposed to be real, that they had added that detail and none of the others involved knew about that. So Floyd ended up getting a deal of immunity if he testified against Marjorie. So he confessed on March 27, 2007, that he was asked to make a few pieces for the caller, but Apparently, he did not do it right, so Bill fixed it and did it himself. And that Bill ordered Floyd to put the device on Brian, and after he did that, uh, Floyd fled because he felt Marjorie or Bill would shoot him to get rid of him, and that's why he left. So, but Ken and Floyd both said they never really knew Brian's true involvement in the crime. They don't really know if he was forced or not by Bill or Marjorie. They did not know if it was Marjorie or Bill's idea from the start. And they didn't know what Robert Pinelli had to do with all of it, which was, if you remember, Bill or uh, Brian's friend who also worked at the pizza place who died three weeks later. Um, they don't know what if he had anything to do with it or not. So they have the right details, but they also were not able to confirm who was the true mastermind, Bill or Marjorie. So that kind of becomes this huge media debate as well. 
over who was the initial person who started this whole thing. Um, I mean, I don't know why that we, why we have to wonder what Brian's involvement in this is. Yeah, because he was in the end, he was he was murdered. So like, right. whether or not he initially knew about the plan or not, like, there's no way that he went into this thinking he was going to die. Right. Yeah. He's a victim because he unwillingly was killed, you know? Right. So in 2010, October 2010, which is seven years after the heist and all this went down, the trial finally starts. And witnesses who testified were people who saw her at the gas station and her car that day, as did her former inmates. They were all called to testify as well of like the things they've heard in prison. Um, and Kelly's notes uh, were finally being taken seriously and everything. So, and Jessica Hoopstick, Hoopsick took the stand, but she was very vague and like timid. And everyone believed she knew a bit more, but you know, she was, she wasn't really saying much. So Marjorie takes the stand and starts crying. And she talks about her very abusive childhood and the jury or not the jury, the prosecutors start to get worried because everyone starts to see how charming and sympathetic she is. And they're worried they're going to feel bad for her and kind of get her off with like a lesser sentence or something. Um, because she's able to like, just manipulate people so well in this way and after 10 days of testimony however the jury finds her guilty on all counts conspiracy to armed bank robbery use of destructive device for crime of violence armed bank robbery that resulted in a death is the charges that she got so on february or in february 2011 she is sentenced to life plus 30 and Marjorie went into a very deep depression and after that as one probably would and she talked about how unfair it was that she was the only one paying for the crime because Bill had died Floyd was given immunity after serving his rape charge and he is now married in Washington um living his life ken was sent to prison for a lesser charge but he actually loves prison and he talks about it all the time because he said prison was a godsend for him because it got him sober and off of drugs and that he was like well taken care of in prison so he's happy with it so really marjorie is like i'm the only one who's suffering and really serving hard time for this crime which she's like everyone was involved but i'm the only one suffering for it she's the one that clearly got everyone together on it and yeah. she's clearly the mastermind so that, that's as it should be yeah you know whatever and in summer of 2013 trey the producer is still talking to marjorie she's had multiple appeals denied um but he asks her if Brian Wells was involved, like, he's like, just tell me yes or no for sure. And she gets furious with him. And 
when he said, I don't think Ryan was involved. I don't. And she gets so angry um, and refuses to talk to him anymore after that. And in the end, one thing that really his Brian's family is very upset with no one was ever charged with Brian's murder and it still could not be proved if it um if he was involved or not it's still up to debate but I think yeah if I were the family I'd definitely be very upset that even though Marjorie's in jail it's not for Brian's murder they couldn't stick that one for some reason. Um, so Jessica Hoopsick is arrested for a drug charge and Trey reaches out to her. And Jessica says there was a fight in prison because she was in the same prison as Marjorie and she ended up getting a restraining order against her. So after this, Jessica finally agrees to talk a little Um, Because she was very good friends with Brian. And she says Brian was totally innocent. And that one day she was at Ken's house and heard the plans to rob somebody. And they offered Jessica $500 to get someone who could, they could scare into robbing the bank. And they told her, this person is not going to be harmed. We just want to scare them into doing it so that they can rob the bank for us and we don't have to be fully involved and she recommended brian and she brought brian over to them and they asked for and like introduced them under the guise of like oh we're just all hanging out and they asked for brian's work schedule which jessica gave to them and jessica says she was with brian the day before when that meeting for the robbery was happening and that brian was not there He wasn't a part of it. Um, And she says he had no part in planning. He had no idea what was going to happen. They tricked him into giving him those work schedules so that they could order the pizza, get him out there and force him. And after she says this, Ken then also admits that Brian was tricked into coming and that he was totally surprised by it. So and now it really looks like Brian really wasn't involved like at all and he was tricked into it completely. So and these people they're not exactly reliable but you know that's how it is. And but Marjorie insisted until the day she died that she was innocent that she had nothing to do with this bank heist at all. Which is ridiculous because everyone knows that's obviously not true. Right. I mean, how is it that two of her lovers are involved then? Yeah. Come on. And clearly saying that. So is she the only one that's saying that she's completely innocent? Yeah. Everyone else is like admitting to everything and confessing. But she's like, she's like, no, I'm innocent. Absolutely innocent. But she died of cancer on April 4th, 2017. No way. She didn't end up living the rest of her life in prison. Like how old was she? Um I don't know. Let me look. That's nuts. Yeah. She was 
68. Wow. So yeah. everyone's dying. So wow. That's that's nuts to me. Yeah. So that's that's the end of the case. But so there's nobody, nobody in prison for Brian's murder, but two of the main two the two masterminds are dead. So Bill and Marjorie. Yeah. I mean, there's a pretty rough way to go. Yeah. Fortunately, but that's that's such a interesting case. I never I don't know how I never heard about it before. Like I've it's seen so bizarre. It, I know. I've seen in several different TV shows or movies about the whole putting a a, a necklace, a, like a bomb necklace on them. Mm-hmm. And like it can't be removed. But that's just like so elaborate and for what? I like I don't understand why they had to make it so elaborate. Yeah. So confusing. And after all of that, too, they didn't even get the amount they asked for. They got $8,000. Like, was it worth it? Was it worth somebody's life and all of that? And so many, like, complications. Yeah. She'd have better luck suing somebody again. Literally. She got way more money doing that. Not that she should kill somebody (laughs) and then sue someone over it again. But, yeah. It's just that, like... And then having him go on this whole like scavenger hunt for the keys, like what even is that? That's just, yeah. that's just, that's just she cruelty. Have, did she have something against Brian just to like mess with him like that? There's, I don't know, in but... my opinion, I I just don't see what that step. Why I don't understand why. Yeah, and the fact that. And then the fact that it's beeping and he's like, oh my gosh, get this off of me now, please get this off of me. You, you would think that Brian would be like, it wasn't two black men. It was, it was, it was all these people. They pinned me down. They made me do it. Get this off me now, please. Right. I know who made the bomb. I like, he could have said. Maybe he was afraid that. They were there, like, with a detonator. If he said anything, they'd just blow him up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Poor I guy, though. Yeah. Maybe he didn't know that it was just, like, on a timer. Maybe he thought that they set it off. Yeah. So, I don't know. Awful, so awful way to go. But... It is. It's so sad. Yeah. It's definitely... Yeah, it's a crazy case. Lots of... It starts with like robbing a bank and then it's all of this other stuff too. And we don't even know it. Like, did that guy die of an overdose? Was he involved? We don't know anything about that. We never will. Yeah. It's just, I always, I'm just like always so curious, like just the why Mm -hmm. reason. And I honestly, I can't find that good of a reason. Yeah. To ultimately get $8,000. And even just to get $250,000. I don't know. Like. That just seems too. Too intricate to get Mm $250,000. Honestly. They probably spent $8,000. In the planning and process of all this. (laughs) Literally. Like oh my god. Nope. Not worth it friends. Don't try and rob banks. And hit men and 
all these other things. <laughs> all of it. All of it just sounds like a mess. It she sounds like too much work. It's so funny because she is a black widow as well. Yeah. Like she's she's this manipulative bank robber and then a black widow. Yeah. In the end, there's like at least what, like six or seven guys who are dead because of her, but then her charges are for like armed robbery and conspiracy. Like she never got charges for any deaths. Like that's crazy. It is like uh oh yeah, the it resulted in a death. That's what she got charged with, I yeah. guess. But yeah, no, no actual like murder. Mm-hmm. So bizarre. Man. How bizarre. How bizarre. <laughs> How so so if this guy hadn't um who was it, Bill hadn't said, Hey, I have a dead guy in my freezer, none of this would have come up. Maybe not, because police were investigating, like, Brian, but they didn't have any leads of, like, who else was involved. Like, they were just investigating him after his death, like, with the bombing and everything. So, maybe not. They. That's so weird to me. Yeah. And, like, Brian died, or Bill died before a lot of things came to light, so I wonder, like, if he had lived like along all these years, if he, what would he have said? What would he have done? You know, would he yeah, have dressed like everyone else did? Jilly wants to participate in this. Yeah. Right. I know Bill probably knew more than anyone. It sounded like it was, it was him and Marjorie mainly. Yeah. And the fact that she's like, well, you know, I just, I just didn't want to keep this a secret anymore. I want to know what actually, like, was it really the fact that she told him to put it in a wood chipper that right the line or something else? Because I don't, I don't know, man. Like, putting someone in a freezer is, I don't know, desecrating a body enough. Is that the right word? Desecrating, you know, disrespecting a body. What you're meaning? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like, that's what I was saying earlier. Where do you draw the line, my guy? I don't get it. With their morals. I don't. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> she has, she's really been, um, well, actually, she's been watching uh, Miss Rachel. If anyone has ever heard of Miss Rachel, isn't she amazing? And for those of you who have not and have a young toddler or even a baby they love her she's on youtube just search miss rachel first words or any miss rachel movie videos they're amazing i've had her on the background this whole time and jilly is loving it (laughs) also we should have said this in the beginning whatever um i know it's been a couple weeks but you know i was on vacation in illinois and then casey was on vacation here in florida so that's our excuse but hello we're back yeah we've been we've been um traveling quite a bit and so we have not neither of us have been home for like at least three consecutive days for a long time yeah um it was difficult but yeah now we're back to it I think we're gonna try to stick to it um I am going there's probably gonna be another week that we have to take off at the beginning of June but then after that I think that we're gonna be pretty consistent um yeah I am going to have surgery on my shoulder 
um, beginning of like the second week of June. So after that, I'm going to have people helping me with Jilly. So I'll have lots of, uh, lots of time to record. Yay. Nice. Yes. So we'll probably wrap them out in that time. So we won't, we won't be taking too many weeks off. Just to let y'all know. Yeah. All right. Yay. Okay. Well, on that note, I'm Casey. I'm Emily. And you, and this is Jilly. Jilly, say hi. <laughs> she waves. <laughs> slow. Oh my God. I wish I. <laughs> oh man. If only we she could slowly that. just stuck her hand into the frame of the camera. <laughs> like, <that was> it. <laughs> and this is Jilly. And you just heard a sprinkle of sugar dash of murder. <laughs> what a little ham.